Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. When you're wandering down the supermarket aisles, choosing what food items or bathroom products you're going to pop in the trolley, do the words all natural or organic sway that product in your favour? Is it because you're concerned the other products are full of nasty chemicals? Today, we look at a phenomenon known as chemophobia and how our fear of chemicals is turning us off some supermarket and pharmacy choices. Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. All natural and organic. The words jump out at us from an increasing number of products on the shelves these days. Head down the baby or pregnancy aisles and you'd be hard-pressed to find something that doesn't mention its close connection to nature or its lack of chemicals. As consumers, and especially consumers who may be a first-time mum or a mum-to-be, we really want to make good choices. We want what's best for our growing bump or our newborn baby. We don't want to buy something that's chock-full of chemicals and then put it in our bodies. But are all natural and organic products actually better or safer, or are they the same as their non-organic counterparts, or worse, are they doing us harm? Chemist James Kennedy has contributed to a study by independent publishing company Research Review that looked at the rise of chemophobia. They found that 20% of the people involved in the study showed a real aversion to chemicals in products, leading to a fear that everything is contaminated with things we need to avoid. James... What are we most worried about when it comes to chemicals in our food and products? Well, it depends on which market you're researching. You'll find that different countries are actually fearful of different ingredients, which is is quite interesting, really. I, I find that GMOs are particularly feared in Europe and the UK. I find that they're quite accepted over in America. You find that polysiloxane is quite feared in China, but it's perfectly acceptable in Australia. Sulfates are more feared in the US, in Europe and Australia, in shampoos, etc., but they're not really feared in China. The fragrance-free option is becoming increasingly popular in Australia and New Zealand, yet in South America they love fragrances. It's, it really depends on who you ask and, and where they are. But some of the generic factors that, that you do see in common in different countries is that people are generally fearful of long ingredients lists and they are put at ease when they find familiar things in there. So this is one of the impacts of having botanical extracts in your ingredients list. Firstly, it bulks up the ingredients list, makes it look longer. 
but it also creates some familiarity. People don't read the whole list. Almost no one does. Even scientists don't when they're they're shopping. They spend about two seconds glancing at it, and if they just happen to glance across a couple of familiar words like cucumber or oat, they're going to feel a bit more at ease about that product. So, yeah, long lists are not good in the consumer's eyes, and familiar things, which usually tends to be food products, tends to be a good thing in the consumer's eyes. It doesn't mean it's a good product. It means the consumer is more likely to want it. Now, you found in your research that there is one particular group of people who are experiencing this more than others, and that is mums or mums-to-be. Do we know why they in particular are experiencing this chemophobia? Well, the conclusion was suggested that people are most cautious when they're most vulnerable or when they've got a baby to protect or when they're about to have a baby to protect. And some of this came out of the finding that actually people are more sensitive to unfamiliar or potentially harmful smells, tastes, and actions in the first trimester of pregnancy versus the second and third. And then that's what led to the suggestion that it's an innate, evolved response to protect ourselves and, and our baby. So not all product makers are going to be marketing their product in a completely truthful and nice fashion, especially to these groups if they're vulnerable. They're going to be using mm-hmm. tips and tricks that are going to get them sales at the end of the day. And, yeah. of course, oh, yeah. we're talking about the use of the words natural and organic and things like that on supermarket shelves. Now, these do tend to attract a higher price tag. Are marketers taking advantage of mums and mums to be in this situation, you think? Of course they are, and they've been fined for it. For example, in Australia, there are two brands that you'll see in a prominent position on the pharmacy shelf. One of them is well-known international brand of baby products, and the other brand that's at the same height on a you know similar position in the pharmacy is like a mirror image of those products. You know, for every shampoo, they've got their own, but natural and organic. And for every, you know, cleanser, for every moisturizer, they've got their own version, but it's natural and organic. Even the bottles are similar colors, similar sizes. The only difference is natural, organic, and five times the price. Now, when you look at the ingredients, firstly, it's not natural, and they've been fined for saying that. It's not even purely organic, and they've been fined for saying that. And the biggest harm that's being done is two things. It's firstly coercing people into spending money they might not have, but there's also the anxiety and stress which comes from being made to assume that the other products are dangerous. Marketers are writing these words on through legal loopholes. For example, natural doesn't doesn't really mean a lot. Organic, yes, it might contain some organic ingredients. There may or may not be any benefit to the consumer of having those in there. But the consumer assumes an entire suite of other positives about that product and therefore assumes the other products that don't claim to be natural and organic are somehow inferior or, at worst, harmful. So what do we need to know about the things we see on that ingredients list? Should we be worried about those long chemical names? Well, natural things actually have much more complex chemistry than synthetic things. Synthetic things are literally what you see on the label. When a product is made synthetically, What they're actually doing is using highly modified natural substances and highly purified natural substances, and they'll blend them together in specific proportions to obtain literally the list that you see on the ingredients label. Now, when something is derived from, say, food products or or from nature directly, the ingredients labeling regulations stipulate that you don't have to list literally every chemical in the, say, avocado oil extract. You only have to label the Latin name of avocado. 
which is a bit misleading because despite there only being one word or one term on the label, you know, avocado extract with the Latin name, there are actually thousands of different chemical components that make that up. But they're not stipulated to write that. They don't have to do it. So basically, things that are natural actually are much more complicated. They contain far more chemicals, and more of those chemicals are likely to be harmful. And it's not just our supermarket or pharmacy choices that are putting us in harm's way when it comes to the things we perceive to be all natural and therefore healthier. Dr Rose Cairns from the University of Sydney School of Pharmacy led an analysis of data provided by the New South Wales Poisons Information Centre that handles poisoning concerns from New South Wales, Tasmania and the ACT, as well as those from across the country after hours. And what they found was an increase in reports of people affected after drinking essential oils. Yeah, so we looked at poison centre calls over the past four years and we've seen them increase by about 5% every year. So look, it's not a massive increase, but it is a steady increase that we're seeing. And we think it's due to the increased use of essential oils by Australians. So basically, these poison centre calls are a variety of of types of harm or potential harm from anything from an accidental ingestion by a child to an adult deliberately ingesting it. So we looked at all of that, but we are definitely seeing um, a concerning rise in these poisoning calls. Let's have a look at those adults who ingested it on purpose. Mm. Why are people believing that these oils are okay to drink? So they're natural, they're naturally derived, and that means people think that they're automatically safe. But I guess the thing to keep in mind is that they're very, very concentrated. So it takes kilograms and kilograms of plant material to make a very small amount of essential oil. And basically, these chemicals in these plants are probably have evolved as a sort of defense mechanism. So that's why, you know, often people say that essential oils can have antibacterial or those kind of effects, because it's a defense mechanism from the plant. And those chemicals can have an effect on human cells just as they can other cells. And yeah, it can can definitely cause harm. But I just think that because of their sort of natural origins, people think that they must automatically be safe to do whatever. And obviously that's not the case. Are there any oils in particular that we're seeing show up more regularly than others, those promoted as natural but not harmful, but people are using in that manner anyway? Yeah, look, the ones that we're seeing the most of are certainly eucalyptus oil. That's almost half. I mean, people use it for cleaning as well as other purposes. So eucalyptus oil and then it's tea tree, lavender, clove and peppermint is the top five. I don't know whether there are some that people think are safer than others, but they all sort of share this commonality in that a small amount can cause severe toxicity. So about five mils of any of these oils can cause severe toxicity in a toddler. Are we seeing people online promoting the ingestion of these? I mean, we know that there have been cases of like anti-vaxxers, for example, who have no medical background and have no scientific knowledge pushing a medical and scientific agenda. Are we seeing that similarly happening with essential oils? Are people pushing the ingestion of these? I know anecdotally, I've seen it myself and lots of people have told me um, following this research that people are advocating for ingestion and there's a sort of wide range in that. So Most people are advocating for small amounts, so a couple of drops diluted, which obviously is not a lot, but I do think it sends a concerning message that they are safe to ingest. And then some people think, well, if a little bit is good, then more must be even better. And then we see some harms from that. Just finally, what can ingesting an essential oil do to us? You mentioned that it can be quite toxic, but what are some of the effects of it? So that can be from anything from vomiting and mild drowsiness, 
up to things like coma, seizures and lung problems. So it can cause pneumonia if someone sort of chokes on it while they're trying to swallow it, which can happen in kids. We don't have data on chronic use of small amounts, which is what some people are doing. So the experience we have is acute doses, which are certainly very dangerous, especially in children. Rose says there is one exception. There's an enteric-coated peppermint oil that you can take for IBS, but it's only safe in that specially coated form, not the liquid essential oil she's talking about. And there are plenty of actual organic and natural products and foods on the market that are safe and good for you. And there are also many that don't have those labels that are also safe and good for you. So how do you choose? When I shop, I ignore natural. I ignore organic. For me, it has no impact whatsoever. And that scientifically is, is the way you should go. Um, you'll sometimes find that organic products are better, but it's not necessarily because they're organic. It might be. But you just, I mean, my advice would be, if you see the words natural and organic, simply ignore them. Don't be fooled by the natural and organic. It's not necessarily an indicator of quality. Ellie Beattie is the executive producer of The Quickie, with audio production by Ian Camilleri. For more episodes, you can head to mamamia.com.au forward slash The Quickie.